Live in the Hive with Joel Blake and Jeremy Branham. Broadcasting from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Apollo Men's Health in League City. That is right. We are doing that. He's Blank on Branham. Killer Bees live at Apollo Men's Health in League City. Third Apollo Men's Health in the greater Houston area. And the sixth year anniversary from opening the first one for Dr. O. Astros played a series in Kansas City over the weekend. They were nearly swept. They had to uh, they had to win the series finale to salvage a game and to avoid the sweep against the lowly Kansas City Royals. Last week was supposed to be the week that you, you gained games, and you actually did somehow over the weekend. Uh, but you go two and four against the A's and the Royals over a six-game week. The good, the bad, the ugly. When you have a week like that, we start with the bad and the ugly, Blinkers. The bad is easy. The bad is the, bad is the offense. The bad is that everybody seems on a Sunday when things get right for a day and, and, and you know, Jordan goes deep and, 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 and you, you kind of get the awakening that people keep get, getting the false hope that nothing bad happened here, nothing to see here. They're okay. No, the bad and the ugly are combined, but the bad was the offense. And, and, and to me, the way that there was, a, there was a lack of urgency throughout the series. The fact was, when you looked at the, how bad the offense was, you're playing a team that's lost 100 games. You're playing a team at, the, at a point in the season when you know you have to be on the attack. You know you have to make, an, make a statement. They didn't lead in a game until Sunday in a series that they had to win, and we talked about it. Yeah, I got killed on Twitter because I said I wanted them to go. I, I wanted them, and they needed to go 5-1. and one. Suddenly it was my fault because I was thinking that they should have gone 5-1. and one. I think well, it was your fault. I think they're right. It I was... expect them to do their jobs. <laughs> and at a point in the season where we're not coasting into the All-Star break and guys are thinking about you know sandy beaches and, and drinks with umbrellas in it, this is a time when you solidify who you are, what you've done, and what you plan on doing again. And this team just basically looked like they, they, were, they were playing, like sca- I don't want to say scared, but they were playing with no sense of urgency, no drive to get it done. And, and, and here we are sitting here looking at a series that they lost to the Royals on top of a series they lost to the A's, two teams that have lost 200 baseball games this year. Yeah, it was a, a bad week, and the offense was bad for, for most of the week. Now, they, they came around. They had eight runs Saturday. They had seven runs yesterday. So a good finish to the week offensively. You score 15 runs over the last two. That's kind of what you're supposed to be doing the whole week against bad pitching. Now, the Reagans guy that pitched Saturday. Like, He's good. It's a good trade for Kansas City. Yeah. You sign a roll as Chapman. You trade him halfway through the year. You get what's probably going to be a, a, a key figure in your rotation mm-hmm. uh, going forward. Uh, but the offense was bad. I thought it was, for the most part, Saturday, Sunday kind of figured it out a bit. The defense, to me, especially in that Saturday game, was just atrocious. You, you look at the unearned runs in that game. They had they had to, they gave up three hundred runs. They, they gave up three hundred runs, so that means they gave up seven earned runs. You lost the, the game ten to eight. That was the Bregman you play throw at second. The Bregman yeah. throw at second. You had the weird play on the 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 bunt as well. Yeah. So like, you give up seven earned runs. You score eight. You should have won that game. And it's been an issue the entire year, quite frankly. The Astros have the second most unearned runs scored in the American League, and they're a team that usually feather in their hat that they play really good defense, they're steady, they don't allow unearned runs to score. They've been, really, in this golden era, one of the best defensive teams year in, year out in the American League. So it's kind of what's led to the 2023 Astros being the most frustrating regular season in the golden era is that you've had times whenever you don't have timely hitting. You've had ups and downs with the pitching, mostly in the starting rotation. And then you've had this defense that usually you can rely on and the pitchers can rely on, and you haven't had that this year. No, you haven't, and that's why when I said their calling card has to be their offense, 
That's why it's even more hyper-frustrating that your calling card lets you down. And that the other thing that really bothered me, Jeremy, to get back to my sense of urgency comment is you fight your way and claw and scratch your way back Saturday night to tie that game. And as quickly as you got back into it with the Altuve home run, you just threw up all over yourself right away, gave up the lead late in the game, and basically pulled the plug with the defense on top of that to make it basically seem out of reach right after you tied the game with a three-run bomb. It's not typical Astros baseball. And everybody keeps saying, don't worry, they're going to be fine. They can flip a switch. When the time is right, they're going to do it. The time is right now. Because right now, what you're dealing with is you're playing one hell of a baseball team coming into a place you're not playing very well in Minute Maid Park against the Orioles. And the Mariners, who I think are your biggest focus right now, and you had mentioned even with the tiebreaker, but the fact is the, 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 Mar- I mean, the Mariners are going to play the A's. Now, if they handle their business and do what you couldn't do, and you're in a dogfight every night at home with the Orioles, that's on you. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the Astros do have the ability to turn on the switch. We've seen it like nearly every single year since 2017 alone yeah they they do seem to have the ability to do that like do you hate that they have to do it do you hate that they take oakland and kansas city lightly and play down to their competition go two and four and six games against them absolutely that's frustrating you can't stand it but they've proven that whenever they need to they kind of flip the switch and win baseball games uh so like the astros have been capable of doing that it seems like every year since 2017. 713-780-ESPN-6100. Astros look bored from winning for so long, not hungry. It's kind of the same thing that Poncho said on the Twitch. They get complacent when not challenged. Cut them a break. Dusty's on A break at this point in the season? (laughs) A break when you could be – I mean, you think about this, guys. That – I'm not giving them breaks and passes anymore because of the fact that if you just played – to that level that everybody's talking about that they can play at, if you just kind of fastened your seatbelts and tightened it up for a little bit for the six-game stretch and you see what just happened in the other two series, you could have been in the driver's seat to put this whole thing away and put the rest of the West to bed Mm -hmm. and say we're going to be exactly who you thought we were. Yeah, I was uh, pretty disgusted by Dusty's lineup yesterday, but then Jake Myers hit a home run and made me eat crow. So I, yeah. I, you got me there, Dusty. You got me there. One one up for you, Dusty. Because uh, I, I was not too pleased that Kyle Tucker <laughs> in a stretch drive when you need to win baseball games and you're trying to avoid a sweep at Kansas City was not in the lineup. And I know that he has, has been struggling a little bit. I know that it's not the Kyle Tucker of, you know, that we knew when he got really hot about a month ago. But he had a day off Thursday. Does he really need a day off on Sunday? But you scored seven runs, and Jake Myers hit a home run. So I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna take a, the, the back seat on that one. I'll eat crow on that one. That was a good move, Dusty. Even though I didn't like it at the beginning, I, I still didn't like it. You know how I feel. I mean, Homer this though, is, Homer, this I think, is triple go time. Two? Yeah, he hit two balls I mean, that in, in, a, in a stadium. To be honest, too, where the ball wasn't really carrying, and, and a couple of the balls, even Blummer mentioned on one of them, where it just seemed off the bat like it was gone, and the wind just kept pushing it down, and Myers was able to hammer two baseballs. But at this point in the season, I don't. The, people were giving Myers credit the other night because he got a bunt single too. Look. Jake Myers is who he is, and if you want to see those kind of games and oogle and ooh and ah about them in May and June and July, so be it. But right now, in this situation at this time of the year, I don't need to see any more of of Jake Myers. I need to see guys that that give you the best chance to win every single night. I hear you, but whenever he hits a home run and triples and plays some good defense, like, and you win 7-1, to I don't. I don't think that you can criticize Dusty there. Like it's kind I'm of like cri- I'm just criticizing for the, as a whole 
everything that I've seen in the last week and a half, two weeks, to where I, I have plenty of you know temple scratchers like the Singleton Myers lineup that that night. <laughs> going, what the hell are they doing at the bottom of the lineup when you need to win this baseball game? Yeah, their lineup today's uh, a little bit curious too. The the dusty haters are out with uh, today's lineup because it's, I mean JV's on the mound, so you know Martin Maldonado is going to catch. There's no There's arguing that. Uh, Dubon is personal center fielder is playing center field. Now they're facing a lefty, and Dubon hits lefties pretty well. So I'm like, okay. Like Chaz is in left, Dubon's in center, Brantley's on the bench. I don't mind that really with a lefty because Dubon hits lefties well and Chaz hits lefties well. But the most curious thing is Jose Abreu's the cleanup hitter tonight. Uh, that, that's that's not the first time fifth. he's done that. He did that in the split this up last the lefties. Series. Yeah, but I mean, Tucker didn't play that day. When Abreu right. hit cleanup on Sunday, Tucker wasn't in the lineup. But Tucker's still, back in the lineup, and now Abreu's still the cleanup man. Like, it, it's uh, tonight, it's Altuve, Bregman, Jordan, DHing. Abreu, Tucker, Chaz, Pena, Dubon, Maldonado. Abreu hitting cleanup in front of Tucker, even against a lefty, is disrespectful. Yeah, I, I, think like it's, it. I think it's disrespectful he bats in front of Chaz. Like, Chaz has been far Chaz's better been than, so than Abreu solid. this year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, and I won't. I, I understand what you're saying too. And, and I look at Abreu and I go, at this point of the year, he is who he is. But he isn't. Should he, he, whatever he is, isn't your cleanup hitter. He just isn't that good with as many good bats as you have in this lineup, or good bats you could have in this in this lineup. Yeah, uh, Todd. The show says Abreu has 19 RBIs this month. Cool. Like RBIs are a product of the situation. Like, yeah, you have to come Had through. A grand slam on one of them, didn't he? Got he, four uh, a four pack right away. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah, then he had the double dong game too, didn't he? Yeah, that's he? right. In that stretch. But, I mean, that's a lot of times the product of people being on base in front of you. Like, does somebody else have not 19 RBIs if they're given that opportunity? I don't know. Uh, Poncho's giving us uh, grief saying, good job, Dusty. Those 2,177 career wins weren't gifted to you. Uh, one of the things, too, like we, we bash Dusty, but it is it is players more than managing. Like, completely – would 100% agree with that. Like, players are the ones who wins games. Managers try to put them in the best position to win those games. The situational hitting in this series, especially yesterday early, frustrates the heck out of me. Yesterday in the first, you had runners at first and second, nobody out, don't score a run. You have a runner at second base, Chaz got on and then stole second base. Runner at second base, nobody out in the second inning. He stays at second base because you can't move him over. We saw this problem really all week. The situational hitting, and look, maybe it's the disinterest of playing Kansas City and Oakland. Uh, maybe it's the, you know, they're not flipping the switch against, you know, teams that they're bored with. The situational hitting's got to be better in the postseason. Like, you got to manufacture runs. You get Chaz at second base, nobody out, score a run without getting a base hit. Well, you get first and second, nobody out, score a run without getting a base hit. That's the thing to me. I think Abreu, it was either the, I think it was the Saturday game, but Abreu came up with a runner on third and one out. You can't strike out there. You have to put the ball in play. You have to do something to get the runner across. That's just that's just fundamental baseball. I have to put barrel to ball. No, I don't want a double play ball either. I get that. But a fly ball or something to the right side, some way or another to get that runner home from third base, a strikeout is the absolute worst thing you could do, and we saw that happen. J.P. France, not very nope. good in his start. Does it make you question a bit of this little playoff rotation thing that we've been trying to figure out? Because from, J.V. Fromber, you're top two. Some form, some shape, some order. I like J.V. more than uh, – I like Fromber more than J.V. But after that, we've been kind of trying to figure it out. Like, Hunter Brown had a good start, but it's been bad. Christian Javier's been bad. J.P. France started off good, and we're starting to see him be a little shaky lately. What did J.P. France's poor start against Kansas City do in terms of that conversation? It legitimizes the fact that it's going to be a very, very tight race and a decision that Dusty's probably going to make that's going to lend, lend a lot more people to believe Javier's the right call because Javier's been there and done that. And of the two guys, the chance for the guy that's 
not be, that, that it's not going to melt down under the pressure, that's been under the bright lights in the big stage and, and could perform at the level he did just a year ago, it's going to add a lot of credence to the fact that we're going to see Javier as your number three as long as France is pitching like this because we already know Dusty Trusty's the, the veterans and Dusty's going to go with Javier. Yep, 713-780-ESPN. I think France fell back to five for me on my playoff. Five. Yeah, he fell wow. behind Javier for me. Like, I, I'm going Javier two times through the lineup before and, I'm going France right and now. Brown because of his stuff? Yeah, I'm going stuff over France's kind of spotty consistency as of late. Seven one three seven eight zero espn You can't ignore in defeat what you wouldn't in victory. Did I say the opposite right? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Was there any good? From the weekend series for the Houston Astros, 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees broadcasting live from Apollo Men's Health on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. From the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Apollo Men's Health in League City, it's the Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Brenham. We're broadcasting live from Apollo Men's Health in League City, third Apollo Men's Health in the greater Houston area, and the six-year anniversary of Apollo Men's Health for Dr. O. Congratulations to him. Great to be on site. Swing on by here, League City area, uh, whether we're here until 6 or just any day, any time of the week, they'll be here to take care of you. All right, what's the good for the Astros this weekend? You, you dropped 2 or 3? What silver linings, what good can you take out of the Astros weekend series? The good for me was the play of the Cleveland Guardians and the Los Angeles Dodgers because they did you a massive favor. Because as much as it irked me to no end, some of the things that we talked about and even more in terms of the bad and the ugly. The fact is every night when I turned on the, the MLB network and I turned on the late game and watched the Mariners and the Dodgers, I was relieved to know that as bad as they looked, they weren't losing ground, that they were actually in a better place at the end of the weekend. And it wasn't because of their own doing. It was because of the fact that you got really, really solid help from two teams that you desperately needed that you didn't think you were going to need. And so for that, I start with, the good being the Cleveland Guardians and the Los Angeles Dodgers. They, uh, the Astros were the only team in the American League West that didn't get swept in their weekend series. So that's a huge win for the yeah. Astros. The Astros entering play Friday had a lead in the division of half a game. They exit the weekend with a lead of one and a half, just like the Astros drew it up. This is exactly how they drew it up. Win one in Kansas City, extend the lead. You knew that the guards were going to sweep the Rangers. You knew that the Dodgers were going to sweep the Mariners. You win one game in Kansas City, doesn't matter which one you get, and you extend the lead. The Astros, in Dusty, we trusty. This, nope. is they, <laughs> this is no, how they. No, sir, drew it up. not me. This is how they drew it. They going going two uh, two and four against Oakland and Kansas City. Now, you lost some ground in the Oakland series, but you did gain some ground in the Kansas City series. Crazy, crazy. Well, that Toronto you got loved the all of this. Now that's the thing, that's the thing that's worrisome is now Toronto is more in the mix uh, with you involved, and Toronto has the tiebreaker over you. So, like, if you get into a wild card spot and Toronto's tied with you. Like, you potential to miss the playoffs. Uh, like, once the on Rangers handled their business against Toronto, I was like, yeah. Toronto might be a non-factor the rest of the way. Now Toronto's just loving life, going, hey, look what, let's go. 
you guys keep doing what you're doing, and we're going to find our way right back in the middle of this yeah. thing. Yeah, but the good news is you did get some help. You, you, you struggled. You were disappointing last week in general. Uh, you were disappointing in the weekend series, dropping two of three at Kansas City, but you did get some help. That's good. Thank you, Guardians. I've never said anything bad about you. Uh, Terry Francona, really wish you well in retirement. Thank you for this uh, weekend sweep. And then uh, the Dodgers. I've never said a single bad thing about the L.A. Dodgers. I, you know what? And I know my, and my wife is a lifelong Dodger fan, and I have never in my life been able to root for the Dodgers. And this weekend I was so happy that they were handling their business. And every time they got a hit, I was like, look, honey, I'm watching a Dodger game. Look, honey, the Dodgers are on. Isn't this great? And she has no idea what's going on. I'm going, it's just because they're beating the Mariners. I've always had so much appreciation for that organization. I, I've, I've yeah. always thought that Mookie Betts' numbers oh, in Boston yeah. were totally clean. He didn't have any help JD at all. Martinez. Uh, you know, what's his name? Kelly. Uh, I, I feel like... Oh, Joe Kelly. Yeah, Joe Kelly. I thought his pouty face was cute that they put up on the wall there in L.A. I've never said a single bad thing about the Their Dodgers. video coordinators, yeah, top notch. He's, he's classy. Totally above board. Classy. Yeah, now, Trevor Bauer. Uh, I'm not going to go that far. All right, that's ooh. where I that's where I draw ooh. the line. Oh, Julio def- Urias. Okay, I draw the line there. What would you say, def- Joe? They're definitely cheating. Jason Hayward has been the biggest bum in Major League Baseball for, like, five years, and he's having one of his best seasons ever all of a sudden. (laughs) Didn't he get arrested, Joe, multiple times? Hayward did? Yeah, for stealing money. Oh, yeah. Jason Hayward. For stealing money because he's been stealing massive amounts of money for years. Well, it's true. He did it for your Cubs, too. It's not really true. No, he kept kept just stealing massive amounts of money for less than great ability for year after year. I saw him turn and make a throw uh, the other day in Seattle off the wall and hold the guy to a single going, well, Where did that come He's from? always been a great defender. But not, Even, not at this point in his career. He's always been a great defender. Now, he struggled offensively after he left Atlanta. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Joe, Joe said it wasn't a good joke. We'll let the listener decide. Okay. 713-780-3776. Great Blankers joke. You guys both bid on it. It was good enough. I thought you were legitimately saying he was a thief. No. I was like, where is he going with this? We have to this? be careful. There's so many players in the Dodgers that have been arrested. We've got to make sure we have our facts correct. Like, we're just making sure. That's why we bid for it. Yeah, there are a lot of Dodgers that have not been too clean uh, over the years. Uh, for me, look, Framber Valdez was brilliant. Framber Valdez continues yeah. to deal. Framber Valdez over his last five starts is back to being Cy Framber Valdez. He's got a 159 ERA in his last five games. Framber Valdez is back. You beat me to it when you said it earlier. I totally believe Framber's your ace. He's your number one in the playoffs. He's the guy pitching game one of every series that he can because Fromber looks like a guy that's in total control. I worry about Dusty being in total control. I worry about the, the psyche of the Astros and, and their drive and their determination being in total control and seizing the moment. I didn't worry about Fromber Valdez at all in that start because that was the Fromber we got used to seeing where you go. Every time you see his name on the lineup card when he's pitching a game, you go, yep, we're going to be fine tonight. And he was absolutely the reason why I felt like we'd be fine with Fromber Valdez on the rock, on the hill. Yeah, he's um, – I think Fromber gets disinterested at times, man. Like, I, I really do. Like, it's kind of like a microcosm of the entire Houston Astros. But I feel like, I feel like the All-Star game really did impact Fromber Valdez. Like, it shouldn't, but Fromber wanted to start he that did. All-Star game. Like, we kind of gloss over the fact that he didn't go to the All-Star game after he wanted to start the All-Star game. I think he was borderline. Disenfranchise is a big word. I don't want to use disenfranchise, but it's somewhere between disinterested and disenfranchised with the Astros' handling of that whole situation for about three is to four Is disillusioned starts. better? I don't know. Because it's not, it's not as, like, long-term ramifications. Disenfranchised feels like, yeah, it's like I'm disconnected and yeah, I ain't never coming back. You're against the, the, the society forever, or you're he against the organization forever. He was bewildered by the fact that he thought that they were going to, especially with the guys making the decisions that could have made it happen yeah. for him, 
the fact that it didn't, I could see that being something that sets him back a little bit. That stuff is so nasty when he's on, though. The yeah. way his, the, we talk about movement on his off-speed pitches, but his fastball moves so much that when he has that A game on the mound, he can beat anybody in baseball, and I don't care if you're the Braves, the Dodgers, whoever you think that you could put up a lineup that's going to beat him. When he's got, he's got his A stuff, he's filthy. Yeah, two-seam sink is, is it's my favorite pitch on the staff. Like he, he, is, he, he can dominate, obviously. I think that he's back to being dominating from Valdez. He got, you know, he got everything out of his head. He, I don't want to say the word twisties, but he got the twisties. Uh, they're gone. They're, they're a thing of the past. Martin Maldonado has figured them out, the therapist. Is that what it was? I will say this. Anytime Fromber Valdez fields a ball, he needs oh, to set geez. his feet and throw to first. Stop trying to turn two. Stop trying to go to the play with it. Stop trying to get the lead runner. I've seen enough of Fromber Valdez pitching, fielding. He needs some more PFP. They need to tell Fromber Valdez you're only allowed to set your feet and you're only allowed to throw to first. I don't care about anything else. Get the out. How about Jose Abreu going sandlot yeah. on us? Yeah. Do you think the, he did it on purpose? The whole pickup. I sure do. It was. It was I was kind of torn on it. Oh, I certainly do. I think they lucked out that it couldn't have been. It could have been more bases for both base runners. But the fact of the matter was, and no matter how time, many times they replayed it, I think it's because he was in such close proximity and he kind of played it up afterwards, like looking at the inside of the glove, like how did that glove slide off? But every time they slow-moed it, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind he threw that thing right off of his hand to try and stop that baseball. I was trying to decide if he was trying to kind of just like flick flick his hand towards the ball, trying to get like full extension, and it kind of just fell off. Like I was trying to get him the benefit of the doubt. I was torn on it, to be honest. I was not. I thought from the from the jump, it looked like he was like, oh, bleep, that thing's going down the right field line and might even score a couple. I'm throwing it. I'm stopping it. We'll see what happens with it. And he got away with it. Yeah. Uh, I thought uh, we mentioned it last segment. I thought that the offense, at least coming alive the last two games, was encouraging. Like, it was a bad week. A really, really bad week. You almost comfort like you, you came from behind and tied the game up in, in Saturday's game. Jose Altuve hits the three run homer. Now the bullpen lets you down a bit. The defense lets you down a bit. You score eight runs in that game. You showed some like grit to try to fight back. Now you lost, and then you win. You know by scoring seven runs on Sunday. I thought it was encouraging to see the offense score fifteen runs in the last two games. I chalked that up to one of my goods. Yeah, I think the fact that you could capitalize, and we just said we said coming out of the Oakland series. Are you? And we even asked Todd Callis about this. Are you more focused on? how bad you were in the first two games or the fact that you saved face in the last game and did what we were supposed to do in all three. And I think that's what we saw in both series. We finally saw that explosion and that power dominance of the offense in the last game of both series, which continues to give you the hope that they're going to be fine. They can work this out. They're capable. Look, no one thinks that they're not capable. I think this roster top to bottom is capable of winning another World Series. It's just extremely frightening to me that you drop games the way you do and you can, as good as you can look and as dominant as your offense can be, you can look like the meek that can't get it straight and can't get right in, in the blink of an eye when you don't need it. And then Jake Myers, he, he's my final good. Who, who? None of us thought that Jake Myers was the center fielder that we needed in our life. None don't. of us thought that Jake Myers was the punch that you needed to add power to this lineup. But in Dusty, we trust. You know who knew? Dusty Baker. Yeah. We all got angry. Oh, Jake Myers is playing and not Kyle Tucker, including myself. I was one of them, but I should know. I've been preaching this all year long. And Dusty, I trusty. Jake Myers was fantastic yesterday, and we owe it all 
to the great mind of Dusty Baker. Okay, you'll go there, I won't. Uh, but I still don't want him to be my center fielder. I still don't agree with decisions because for every Jake Myers, I saw John Singleton in the lineup too, and I never want to see that. But it did work out for him. It did work out for the team, so thankful for that. I don't need to see it a whole lot more. I need to see the best lineup on the field every single night going down the stretch here, especially against a team as talented as the Orioles. But I understand what slightly why you did what you did. 4187, where will you be if the Astros lose the series with the Orioles? Let me know what the rest of the division does. Look, I, the Orioles are going to be hung over tonight. Who, who they the they need to take got? advantage tonight. Uh, Rangers. Because we know that I know the A's are playing the Mariners. Yeah, the, I looked at it this morning and I forgot. It shows you my short-term memory is not – I have very bad short-term memory. My long-term memory is better than my short-term memory uh, for whatever reason. Oh, they take on Boston who's been reeling. Boston's not been yeah, very good. They, they just got swept by Toronto to get Toronto back into that race. So, yeah, that is not very good. And it's at home. So I'll let you know. But the Astros should take advantage of a hungover Baltimore team. Kevin Brown was there in the locker room yesterday. Kevin Brown, the TV voice that was suspended by the Orioles earlier this year. He was doing the uh, the beer the beer bong with the club, with the team. Oh, the, yeah, the, Kevin the, Brown. The, 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 Mike Elias was too. Uh, Mike Elias. They I was going to say, Mike Elias yeah. I saw really try and take yeah. on that beer bong. Elias was taking, a sh- was taking a drink out of the beer bong, and then Kevin Brown was there taking a drink out of the beer bong. So the Astros need to take advantage of a hungover Orioles team that's coming into Minute Maid Park with a new batter's eye in center field too. We should have I'm interested that to see that. Goods. I really want to see that. Yeah, Chandler Rome had pictures of it. I, it's it's not that noticeable. And it, it's, <laughs> it's still really, the greenery. They it, they painted like basically like a the, quarter of a section of the facade, the tan yeah. facade, the sandy colored yeah, it's facade. Not, it's I don't. It's not that big of a difference to be honest with you. Mm. All right, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN Mailbag Monday. You can ask the Killer Bees whatever you want to ask. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. What questions do you have for us that you want the Killer Bees to answer? It's a Killer Bees broadcasting live from Apollo Men's Health in League City on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Hey, right now I'll tell you about the good people at MyBookie yet again because MyBookie is taking care of their customers on the regular because they want you to come back, they want you to know your money's safe, and they want you to know it's the place to go when you want to put a wager down. It could be casino gambling. There's live dealers standing by. Maybe there's no games that interest you or maybe there's no games going on. Well, it's the website that does not sleep when you want to get some action. You can go there, get in on casino games, live dealers, and you can get your fix on. You want to get in on all the games. You know that there's US. You know that there's all the, the baseball playoffs and the baseball pennant races. You know that there are so many different sports you can bet on, like soccer and, of course, college and pro football. You just need to know that there's a place that's going to take care of you, make sure your money's safe, pay you when you win, and give you opportunities to get extra cash in your account. That's mybookie.ag. Go to mybookie.ag right now. And whether you're a new subscriber for the very first time or you've been there, done that, and you want to do it again, there's reload and there's new sus- subscriber bonuses. Just remember the promo code BET975. When you log on to the site and use that promo code and put in at least 50 bucks, you can get up to 200 extra bucks in your account. And if you use that 200 bucks on a bet at least once when you win, you can cash out after that. You can get that money in hand to do whatever you wish. That's fantastic. That's extra cash. That's why you go to mybookie.ag. They've been taking care of customers for over a decade. They're going to take care of you too. But remember that promo code that opens the door. Bet975. Check them out today, mybookie.ag, and use the promo code Bet975. Because as I always tell you, you bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it. It's mybookie.ag. You've got mail. It's Mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees. Something's in the bag. Mommy? Mommy? What's in the bag? Oh, what's in the box? 
Gillibees live from Apollo Men's Health in League City for the grand opening. Six-year anniversary of Apollo Men's Health as well. Swing on by, say hello to us. We'll be here until 6. Promo team is out here. Can't make it today? Well, I got you covered. They'll be here all week. New location. They'll be here all the time. All right, Mailbag Monday. You can ask us whatever you want. 713-780-3776. 713-780-3776. Out of the NFL head coaches, which two coaches could you take in a fight and which two would you not want to fight? I think Mike McDaniels is the first one I could take in the fight. Yeah, he's still young, though. Did you see his speed yesterday? Like, he's, he's still quick, fast. but if you catch him, you can annihilate him quickly. He's I don't t- think I he's think got a lot of meat on the bone. No. I'm going to go with Belichick and Andy Reid. That's a good call. I think I can outpoint him. I don't think I'm going to knock him out, but it's a boxing match. Let's go with a boxing match. I think I'm going to outpoint him. I'm going to take it to the scorecards, outpoint him, win by decision. I don't want anything to do with Dan Campbell. I could whoop Mike Nothing. McCarthy's ass. Yeah, but you probably, eh, he's still kind of, you know, he's no, a tough son of a gun. Yeah, he's a doughboy. Yeah, but he's not as doughy as Reed or like as slow no, as Belichick. True, but if Reed gets you in the wrong position just once and puts his weight on you, you could be done. Yeah, it depends on like the if it's UFC, don't love those chances because he can just ground and maybe not pound you, but just ground you. Right. And then if it's boxing, though, I think I can outpoint him. Um, I want nothing to do with Dan Campbell. I wouldn't want to fight Ooh, D'Amico. No, good like, Lord. D'Amico, no, I'm oh, still nuh-uh. get it. Uh, Robert Sala. Nope. Don't want anything to do with Robert Lafleur's Sala. LaFleur's in good shape. LaFleur's in good shape, but he's kind of smaller. He doesn't have, like, yeah. massive muscles. Uh, most of the NFL coaches, though, I want nothing to do with because <laughs> they're usually former football Josh players. Josh McDaniels? Uh, yeah, he might be up on that list yeah. of more beatable I think he's takeable. coaches. Yeah, yep. I think he's takeable. Pete Carroll. Yeah. Oh, Pete Carroll, come on now. He's older. Yeah, he's, he's older. older and he chews gum. But and I still yeah. he's I still rather fight Belichick or Reed, I think, if it's a boxing match. That's a good question. 713-780-3776. Brandon T., do you think that C.J. Stroud will be the best quarterback the Texans have had in their franchise history to date? I think he's going to end up being that. I think there's no doubt about it from what I've seen. I, I think, yeah, there's still things that he can iron out and get better at, but I was really encouraged by the first two weeks because I expected interceptions. I expected turnovers. I expected a kid that is, was going to be uh, a step away from being ready for prime time. And for all the obstacles thrown his way, for all the things that were kind of stacking the deck against him a little bit, he's shown me he can throw the football. He shows me he can put, put touch on the football. Even when pressured and kind of to the point you made, He's savvy enough that he's picking up the defenses. He's making audibles and reads at the line of scrimmage, and he's executing plays, sometimes off script. A lot of times, let's be honest, off script because of the line. And he's making the throws and putting the balls, for the most part, where they need to be. There was a couple yesterday. There was a couple in week one where you can also point the finger at balls he probably shouldn't have thrown or didn't throw it in the right spot. But that's going to happen with any quarterback. He's shown me enough that I believe this guy's going to be the long-term answer at quarterback. I'm going to nitpick a little of what you said. He did fumble yesterday he did. in a really bad spot. Uh, he has thrown two passes in the first two games that were careless, silly passes. Had the one yesterday where he just got like, – you should have been throwing it away and just tossed it up like two carelessly backs. down the right sideline. Yeah. He had he had a very similar play like that against Baltimore. I thought it was going to be coached out of him after Baltimore. It was not, so – just one turnover, but he has been careless with the ball at times. And I actually think most of his good stuff has been on script uh, than, than off script. I like think he's capable, but I think he's much better when he's in the pocket. Probably much better, right, because I believe he's better when he sets his feet. But I'm talking about the ones where immediately upon getting the football and it's not a quick – his quick read isn't there. And the dif- defense is already breathing down his neck. And he creates a little time, and then he's able to still complete a pass. Uh, and, again, the other thing I like is when he's behind the eight ball and he knows time is of the essence or the down and distance is of the essence, he's made plays. 
Yeah. I mean, to, to answer the question, I think he will go down as the best quarterback the Texans have. I think he has more potential than Deshaun Watson, and I don't think that's a hot take. Like, Deshaun Watson was the 12th pick of the draft. C.J. Stroud was the second pick of the draft. I think C.J. Stroud has a better arm. I think it's – little bit of a bigger arm and it's way more accurate of an arm now i think deshaun's probably a better scrambler runner i don't think stroud's too far off i just think he chooses not to scramble which again is something i like i don't want him to scramble i don't want him to run the football i also think like career length with a franchise matters i mean deshaun's book has already been closed on the texans the volume and i think that you're going to see cj stroud for a long enough period of time that he's going to he not that he's going to make you forget anybody else that's ever been a quarterback for the texans but his stats are going to make you believe that he's the best quarterback the franchise has had some would push back and say shab's currently the best quarterback the franchise has had right now yeah i think i think most would tell you deshaun i think there's probably about 30 35 percent that would tell you shab I think Stroud's going to be better than both. I really do. Wins I, matter with Shaw. Wins matter. Yeah. I mean, he put he had some really good years, yeah. too. He had some – I mean, he he threw the ball, had some really good passing yard years. I think he led the league in passing yards once. Now, so did Deshaun in a year that he won four games. But I think I think Stroud will go down as the best quarterback that they've had in franchise history, and I feel pretty confident saying that, actually. I do, too. Three three seven six. who will do better this season, the Texans or the Rockets? Uh, I think the Rockets will. I, I think that they've added veterans. I think a guy like Van Vliet and even a guy as much as for the money that they paid, and I just was totally against Dylan Brooks, I think that adding some veteran stability to a team that has never been short on young talent and getting a coach that was without question the best coach on the open market that can make a huge difference, I think the Rockets are ready to take that next step, whereas the Texans are probably still a year away. 713-780-3776, your questions for Mailbag Monday. I'm with you on this one. I feel like the Rockets are a year ahead of the Texans uh, with their whole rebuild. Like The Texans are still very, very young. They still really haven't brought in a ton of like the veterans that are going to be big producers on this team. Like They have a Jerry Hughes. You brought in a Case Keenum. You brought in a Shaq Mason. But in terms of like huge con- contributors, I think that's next offseason with the cap space that they have. I think the Rockets are a year ahead of the Texans, so I'll say the Rockets relative to the NBA better than the Texans relative to the NFL. And these Texans injuries, like I'm not, I'm not an excuse guy with injuries. That's the nature of the business in the NFL. But you've had them all at the same positions, which has been unlucky. Offensive line, the safeties. Tavier Thomas has a broken hand. Is going to miss yeah. time. That's a huge it's loss. It's a big loss. Like, th- these injuries are tough for the Texans. Ocho, I-, I didn't watch the Texans game. How much of Stroud's performance happened during garbage time against soft coverage like Deshaun Watson's? I-, I thought the second half, before it was completely out of hand, I thought he still was executing plays and, and was picking up yards on chunk plays because of reads and throws. So I- I'm not going to say that it was totally just slush, slush that money, you know, soak it up free plays and prevent defenses. I thought that quite a bit of what he did was executed against a defensive plan that was still on attack on him, and I thought he did well. I don't think any of it was ever really garbage time until that final drive, quite frankly. The rest of it was not – I mean, Fairbear makes a field goal there. Then it's a different It's story. a one-possession yeah. game. So, like, I don't think any of it was garbage time until that final possession. Now, Stroud's yardage input was definitely enhanced by the Colts – defense in that second half like you get up by 21 points you're going to start doing things defensively differently than you did in the first half uh you're up by 18 points in the fourth quarter you're going to do things a little bit different defensively uh, than what you did in the first half so i think that stroud's numbers were inflated because of what the defense was doing but i wouldn't call any of it garbage time until that final drive but definitely inflated numbers because of the game script because you were down by 21 
third quarter. Uh, and then you knew you were gonna. Well, you were supposed to throw it on every play. They yeah. chose not to. And I mean, but yeah. he. I mean, he ended up throwing the ball forty-seven times. That's a lot. Like you, you throw it forty-seven times, you should have a healthy amount of yards. So I think I think it was inflated a bit, but I wouldn't call it garbage time until that final possession. Similar though to Deshaun's year, where he led the league in passing. Uh, Corey, is the Cowboys defense that good, or are both New York teams that bad, or a combination of both? I think it's a combination of both. I, I think that the Cowboys defense looks really, really good. And primarily because you've got the front runner right now for defensive player of the year that is just a force uh, that, that can do whatever he wants to do in Micah Parsons. But I think that it's been a combination. I thought the Giants, because of the two early turnovers and the points created off of them, they were deflated. They looked, That started to give them a kind of a defeatist attitude, and that kind of just steamrolled. But I think from the Jets, they were trying to hang in there. Zach Wilson didn't look awful. But there's a lot of talent on the Jets team. It's just that without a quarterback, they're not going anywhere, and Dallas capitalized. That's not their fault. They just play the team and the schedule the way it plays, and they they got a a very favorable matchup. I'll go combination of both, but I'll say more the New York teams being bad offensively than the Giants being good defensively. And I say that thinking a lot of that Cowboys defense, thinking that it's really good. But I think at the end of the year, we're going to look at the Jets defense or the Jets offense, Giants offense, be worse then Cowboys are good defensively. But I think it's going to be close. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, if you're devoid of talent with more holes than substance in your roster, why do you trade two top 15 picks for Will Anderson? Dan. Uh, again, we're always going to – it's easy to say Will Anderson, but, you know, they're both going to be judged together. I think they tried to do what they did simply because of the fact that if you're trying to trade for the, a quarterback, it, it may even actually up the ante. But Will Anderson, look, it's something that we talked about from the minute the trade was made. I have tons of questions about it. I, I doubted it and didn't, didn't like it at the time. But they feel like they have a plan. They like the talent that they brought in. Will Anderson isn't the guy that you should crap all over because of the fact that he looked in both games, whether the stats showed it yesterday or not, he looks like a guy that is going to be a beast in this league, that is going to get some things done. So it's not fair to point it just at Will Anderson, and I'm not down on Will Anderson. I'm just down on giving away your draft pick in a, in a point where you weren't ready to win yet. Yeah, quite frankly, you don't, uh, to be honest. I mean, the moment the Texans made it, I was one of the few people in the city that was unhappy you and I both. with the trade. So, like, eh, I, I don't like it. Now, Will Anderson... I, I'm a fan of. They're growing on me. C.J. Stroud, I just said I think he's going to be the best quarterback the Texans have had in franchise history. So if I were to defend Casario for a moment, I will say that he wanted a cornerstone on offense, wanted a cornerstone on defense, and wants them to be the foundation that leads the Houston Texans back into being a contender. Now, it, it would certainly help if the Texans put, a, put together a decent record this year so the assets that you traded don't sting as much. Like if it's the 12th pick, it doesn't feel nearly as bad if it's the first or second pick uh, that the Houston Texans well, traded away. And right now it's a bad storm. You better hope in starting in week five that you're healthy on the offensive yeah. line and you start rolling and capitalizing on an easier schedule because otherwise – the Browns ain't losing, and you ain't winning, and that's going to make that trade look worse. Like, I don't think the Texans would have, tr- would have drafted Jameer Gibbs at 12, but Jameer Gibbs went 12. You had you would have been able to take Sam Laporta at 33, and if you have the second pick of the draft, that's Marvin Harrison Jr. So, like, <laughs> you don't want it to sting that bad. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. All right, I believe Mondays. 
What do we learn from college football this weekend that now has you believing? It's the Killer Bees live from Apollo Men's Health in League City on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, right now I want to tell you about the place we're sitting at right now. It's the third and the newest location of Apollo Men's Health. I can't say enough good things about this place and about the fact that this is a place that you need to go to if you're lacking energy, if you're not feeling like your old self. From the boardroom to the weight room to the bedroom. We all have problems as we get older. We all have deficiencies that we never had. And we don't know what to do about them. We think that maybe I just have to accept it, that I can't get things done, that I can't do what I used to do. It's not true. You go see my friend Daco and his staff in the three locations that they have. Daco is the best in the business for a reason, because he takes care and cares about his customers, because he wants you to get more energy back. From hormone therapy to B12 shots, you can get more energy on a daily basis. You want to recover quicker from a workout, HGH peptide therapy. You want to lose weight and not work out? FDA-approved semi-glutide available at all three locations at Apollo Men's Health. You don't even have to work out. You can lose up to six pounds every single week. That's amazing, and that's some of the things that they offer. You want to see all the services they offer? Go to ApolloMH.com. They're going to show you all the services. If you think there's a few that could help you, sign up right there for a first appointment online. When you do, you'll find out most major insurance is accepted. There's discounts for military personnel and first responders. Mention my name, Joel Blank, a free B12 shot or a free body composition analysis on your first official visit. The body comp's great because it can tell you where your important numbers are, your body fat, your muscle mass. The important numbers are in the right direction. The bad numbers are going down. You're doing the right things, and you can find that out at Apollo Men's Health. Check them out today and tell them I sent you by because I can't say enough good things about the people at Apollo Men's Health. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. What's up, Bones? You believe now? You, you, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Do you believe now? What do you believe after the college football weekend? Lots of good college football being played around the country. What are you believing, Joel Blank, after this week of college football? I'm going to believe, Jeremy Branham, that whether you love him, you hate him, or you're somewhere in between, the Deion Sanders marketing machine is genius. It's genius because... I don't really even think that they're that good of a football team. I think they're decent. I think they're good. But I think the fact that they made Colorado – he made Colorado, Colorado State must-see TV. He's made every game that they've played so far this season a spectacle, something that everybody has to see that you can't miss. It's great for him. It's great for college football. It's When Alabama's down and some of the big powerhouse schools – are just getting started, but there's nothing that really wows you or knocks your socks off. Everybody had to, including me, I had to see that game the other night. I wanted to see Norville. I wanted to see the handshake. I wanted to see the game itself. And then it just didn't disappoint for the fact that, as you like drama, there was a ton of drama mixed into that in an early season game between those two teams. Yeah, I think everybody had to see this coming with Dion, though. Like, this is a this is Dion Sanders who said literally in his Hall of Fame speech that he created the persona primetime for marketing reasons. And he was a genius with it back in his playing days, and he does the same thing now. Uh, he, he's able to market himself and the brand better than anybody, which leads to attention. It leads to recruits wanting to play there. Uh, he has Colorado as a national brand again and selling out and pulling these high TV ratings when last year no one thought about it. They won one game. You know, there was 25% of the, the seats were full. Uh, so Dion's just uh, really a genius when it comes to marketing. You know what's really that leads to what you were just saying? 
Deion Sanders, it is all an act in a lot of ways. It's like when the media's there, when there's cameras, when there's microphones, he flips a switch. I know early in his career with Nike being in Portland, I worked for the Blazers, and he came to a Blazer game one night, and they were like, it's your responsibility to make sure, I was an intern, you know, make sure he and his family get to their seats, have what they want, do whatever, sit with them, you know, at the table at halftime or whatever. He was so quiet, so polite, but so, like, reserved. And then all of a sudden you go out onto the floor and it's, it's prime time and it's what's up, you know, and it's, it's everybody look at me. And you just go, man, he is a master marketer. He's a damn good football coach, too, and he's a, he's a football mind, but he is a master marketer. He's really good as the program CEO. I think what he does a good job of is he hires good people around him and then kind of lets them coach. Like, I don't think he meddles, which is smart, and I think he's going to be, and he already is, a terrific recruiter because, honestly, oh, I think he's recruiting to the culture. Like, Jay, the, the Norvell guy, Jay Norvell, he was talking about the sunglasses and the hats, and then Dion just leans into it, and they sell like four or five million dollars worth of merch in pre-sales only, and gets himself a sponsorship deal with Blender's sunglasses. Yeah, I thought that was already done. I don't, th- I don't know that it was, but I it- thought it was in the. I thought they were already partnered in that. Like this was a sunglass that they were unveiling later, but, but they, they just blew it up. They did like four yeah. or five million dollars in pre-sales, and on top of that, like the hat and the sunglasses and the jewelry and stuff, he's recruiting to the culture, like. If you're if you're a highly touted recruit, you're a top 100 recruit, and you got Dion who like looks like you do. He's who you aspire to be. He's Dion Sanders. He's prime time. He's got all this cool stuff going on. Or you can go play for old Nick Saban. Where are you going to go play? Well, like he's recruiting. He's playing up the culture. He's recruiting to the culture. I, I mean, I just think he's going to continue to blow up. I think the other thing, yeah, because I, I don't know if he's going to be long for Colorado because he's going to get a bigger, better job. But he got five stars to go to Jackson State. And now he's getting any recruit that he wants to go to Colorado. Please don't think that if he goes to a bigger school that he's going to have trouble recruiting. He'll get any kid in America to have a meeting with him. And he'll get the majority of those kids to go play for him because it looks like fun. So many times after the recruiting process is over, it looks like a job. It feels like a job. And a lot of kids aren't signed up and and mature enough for a real job. The fact that you can make it look like fun and us against the world and we're really tough to beat makes it completely where everybody wants to play. And, and he's willing to spend a little bit. Let's be honest. An IL game, strong there. But he'll always have a top 25 recruiting class no matter where he's at. Like minimum top 25. He's legit. He's legit. Speaking of that, I believe that Hunter Blackburn, or Henry Blackburn rather, is public enemy number one in Colorado. Oh, no doubt. Henry Blackburn's the, the late hit on Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter has a lacerated Kidney, or is it kidney? kidney, I think. One of the two. He's going to be out for three weeks. They're saying he's receiving death threats over that hit on Travis Hunter. How that kid wasn't ejected, I don't know. Uh, I know that late. you can do targeting. You can do all the things that, you know, you say he didn't use the helmet. He didn't lead with the helmet. He didn't spear him. That kid took such a blatant chip shot, a cheap shot at a kid that was as important as anybody not not named Sanders on that field for Colorado. I know one of Dion's kids, Shiloh, had a pick six. I know that Shadur is the quarterback that's probably the second leading candidate for Heisman Trophy. But the fact that you took their their dual threat weapon completely out of the game and now he's going to miss a month on a play where the ball was on the white and it was already out of play and you had one defender right next to the receiver and you decided to tee off, how he didn't get ejected and at least penalized is beyond me, but that was a BS play. And I don't miss me with the whole, oh, he might be a really good kid. Well, you know what? On one play, he wasn't, and it was terrible. I thought it was very clear that Colorado State was their intent in that game was we're not going to be bullied. We're not going to shy away. We're going to be physical. We're going to bring the fight to you. In a lot of ways, I like that. 
and you kind of always want to be like flirting with dirty, but never cross the line Edgy. to dirty. And like that, that one did. And then you saw the ejection in overtime, like the late hit on, on Shador. I didn't think that was as bad a hit as the one on Travis Hunter. Worthy of ejection, sure. Led with the crown, sure. But it wasn't as like malicious a hit. As the other one on Hunter. No, but I think that because of the one on Hunter and because it wasn't called. I also think it's the letter of the law, though. Like, the the targeting, like, that's an automatic ejection. Whereas a late hit is unsportsmanlike and not targeting. So it's, like, so, subject but, by the rule. Right, but even remember now, what I said was I, I couldn't believe he wasn't ejected, but at the very least he should have been penalized. Oh, I, was he not? No. There was no penalty. A, he didn't get a late hit I don't believe so. Yeah, they threw, I, they I threw a 15-yard yeah, penalty. I they, yeah, I thought they yeah. threw oh, a late Oh, you know what hit. they did? They called it on the wrong player. They called the hold on him and they called the late hit on somebody on number 15 I think it was and then they reversed it but I, I thought that that was regardless of the rule itself I think especially because you could feel the tension you know how referees try to yeah. get control of a game sure that's the kind of thing that could lead to a lot worse going down the rest of the game thankfully it really didn't but that's why I, I thought with the way college football is quick with an ejection you could hook him right there. I think it was letter of the law, though, more than anything else. Like, a late hit isn't an automatic ejection, whereas a, you're leading with the crown of your helmet. Targeting is right. an automatic ejection. So I think the refs kind of got off on the uh, – or kind of got a, a pass there because of the way that the language is written in the rule. Joe, what do you believe after the weekend? Uh, I believe Alabama's not good. Uh, they are making a quarterback change again. Milrow will be back in there for week three. And frankly, a native. I don't know if Georgia's any good either. The SEC might stink this year. Like well, I hold on, why do you think Georgia's not good? I just I watched that game. I just I was not impressed at all versus their their game versus South Carolina. I mean, to be down, yeah, it, it was a monsoon too, wasn't it? Now that's fair, but like I just all these teams keep losing quarterbacks to the NFL draft, and they just keep replacing them, and it kind of feels like it's caught up a little bit to Georgia, definitely to Alabama. I mean, Georgia, I'm sure, is still going to be in the college football playoffs, but I don't think Alabama will sniff it this year. I don't either. They're not. I don't good. either. And you know, that's that's the danger. Of the of the the lay of the land right now with college sports, but as it relates to college football, you could be good for several years, and the minute you have a down year, it could be it could it could be career altering for the coaching staff, and you're going to see what what Dabo has to go through now with Clemson. No matter how good he's been, you're going to see Saban really the heat be extremely turned up on his recruiting, and he better find a quarterback quick, more than one. And he better turn it around quick because these boosters with money and all the options these players have, it's it's not going to keep your longevity. I can tell you that. It's Tom. easier now than ever, though, to bring a star quarterback in because of the transfer portal. So True. that that helps him out. To piggyback off of Joe's, I believe Tommy Reese will be one and done as Alabama's offense coordinator. Second quarterback change in back-to-back weeks. You talked about how you know high pressure that Alabama job is. You don't do a good job there. You're not going to last very long there. Not a great fit, I don't feel like, Tommy Reese at Alabama. I don't think Nick Saban's going to put up with Tommy Reese for more than a season. I don't think so either. And frankly, I think Tommy Reese ruined his career. Sam Hartman Oof. is going to break every single Notre Dame passing record this season. And Tommy Reese could have been his offensive coordinator for all of that. Instead, he went to Alabama where it's going to be a disaster. Like, he has taken a step backwards in a big way in his career, so I'm does, with you. Does, do they get Hartman if Reese stays there, though? Because that was a transfer as well. He committed to Notre Dame before Tommy Reese left. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just think that when, you, when you're thinking about a job, though, you think about being the OC at Alabama and what that leads to everybody, Kiffin and even O'Brien and, and Sark and all the people, that, that's a stepping stone job to get you on a whole different level that I don't know that you can miss that opportunity no matter who you're, you, know, you see on the recruit list. Yeah, they don't have a, uh, they don't have a quarterback right now. 4187 Alabama is a five-star from 
QB from California next year. They always have five-star quarterbacks. Uh, 2611, just curious on your guys' thoughts on Josh Heupel calling a timeout with eight seconds left in a no-win situation. I don't know the context there. I don't either. I, I, I wasn't watching that game. I had a, my own game to, to attend. Now, I did see the fight at the end of the game on highlights there with Florida and Tennessee throwing down some punches. Oh, I didn't see that either. Oh, it was good for a guy like me who likes all the drama. Yes, you, you, had a, you had a You had a Florida Gator offensive lineman take a step back. He was throwing to some haymakers. Oh. It was real nice on a late hit, too. It was, uh, it was interesting. But I, don't, I think there's only one SEC team that's going to make the college football playoff. I think it's Georgia. Georgia. They're the only top ten team right now in the SEC. LSU 12, Bama 13, Ole Miss 15, though. LSU right. had a good week, though. Their quarterback was pretty good. He was pretty good. He's a good quarterback. Yeah. 713-780-ESPN. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's give our grade for C.J. Stroud. What do we think of his second game of his NFL career? It's the Killer Bees broadcasting live from Apollo Men's Health in League City on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.